Welcome to the Ferris Love Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. Today, we're talking about humility with Joel Stepanek, author and chief operating officer for the National Eucharistic Congress. Welcome, Joel. Hey, it's good to be with you. Yeah. So let's dive in. You wrote a book about humility, which is why we have you, you know, on the podcast talking about it. So how do you define humility and how is it kind of different from how the world, I think, sees humility? Uh, that's a great question. I think humility is one of those tough virtues to nail down because we hear people say, uh, you know, you need to be humble to mm-hmm. live uh, a Christian life, to live a Catholic life. You want to be humble to succeed. There have been business books written about humility, but then in a, a religious context, whenever people spoke about humility, the phrase that they would follow it up with is, but you can't talk too much about humility because then you're not really being humble. Right. And I would be like, that's fine, but you're talking about how important this virtue is right. Without any real way Mm. of nailing it down practically or defining it. And I think there's a challenge there. And so there are different definitions that people have thrown out. I think uh, the one which I believe is attributed to C.S. Lewis, and, and he may have actually said, I think, is, uh, you know, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, mm-hmm. um, which I like. I think humility is recognizing who we are in relationship with uh, God and with others. Mm-hmm. And to be able to live into that authentically. And the reason why I say that is sometimes humility can be self-deprecating and that's false humility. And that's what the the Lewis quote I think is getting out of like, you know, uh, well, humility is, uh, you know, uh, thinking that I'm, I'm a terrible person. I can't, I can't be proud of things. I can't feel good about my accomplishments. Um, I can't, I can't be confident. And uh, that's just, that's false humility, which is just the other side of pride, right? So if I know who I am before God and before others, I can have the humility to recognize, you know, uh, like the publican in the gospel of Luke, I'm a sinner, uh, but I'm also loved. I'm also, um, you know, created in a unique way by God. I'm called to a unique relationship through the Lord. I'm redeemed by Jesus Christ. And in that, then I can have this real, a beautiful sense of self-worth that doesn't come from my own accomplishments, but from something external. And I think that's where humility rests is being able to lean into that authentically, but it can be a tough balance um, because if we tilt too far the other way, uh, well, I I am my accomplishments. I am uh, all of the things that I do. Then we, we lean into that other piece of pride. So I think that's humility is knowing who I am before God uh, and in relationship to God and to other people And, um, in that is where we, I think can grow. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think that definition well, clearly that definition is very different from how the world sees humility today. You know, like even we have the phrase, the humble brag, right. Which is, um, you know, and so I think what, why do you think there's such a difference or such a dichotomy between kind of the Catholic Christian understanding of humility and kind of the world's understanding of it? Yeah, I think. It depends what part of the world, right? Oh, that's true. I think because in, again, in the leadership sphere, humility um, is, you know, Jim Collins in his book, you know, Good to Great, mm-hmm. talked about humility being the thing that levels up, that mm-hmm. makes a level five leader. It's it's the thing that makes somebody take an organization from good to great, is being able to exercise humility. And the way he defined humility really is more in line with what the Christian view of humility should be and and how I even just defined it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a person 
who is is weak or self-deprecating. He would talk about how humble leaders ask questions, how they seek to be, you know, I don't know if he used these exact words, but kind of the dumbest person in the room. Like they ask a lot of questions, right? They don't assume to know everything. But at the same time, they're confident people. And I think in any saint, you think about like St. Teresa of Calcutta, mm-hmm. humble person, but a confident person. Mm-hmm. I mean, the stories that you hear about St. Teresa of Calcutta weren't that she was this, you know, oh, I, I don't really know who I am. Yes, yeah, she had spiritual battles that she took on, but she also approached and confronted powerful world leaders. This was not a, uh, you know, this yeah. was a strong person. I think where things get twisted in the world is with how we think humility should be applied, Mm, what it does for us. So I gave a talk to a group of men a couple of years ago about humility. Um, Older gentlemen, it was for a men's group. And a lot of them had been very successful in business. It was in an affluent area at an affluent parish. And so I went through this whole bit about humility. And at the end, one gentleman raised his hand and said, I mean, it's fine in like the faith world, but it doesn't work in the real world uh, because you're going to get stepped on. You're going to get looked over. You're going to get beaten down. And he, he said, you know, when we go to work, we have to be ruthless. You use that exact word, ruthless, wow. Wow. 40 or 50 hours a week. Hmm. And then when we get home, you know, that's where we live our faith. And that's where we live discipleship. Hmm. And this is a challenging thing. I think even when we think about humility in a family context, if you are one way for 40, 50, 60 hours a week yeah, at your job, that's not pretending that's who you are mm-hmm. and whoever you are the rest of the week that's pretending mm-hmm. you just can't spend that much time acting a certain way and being a certain way and not becoming that so i think that's the misperception sometimes even in the faith world mm-hmm. is this doesn't apply across boundaries and i think in the secular world we fear humility because we're like how am i going to get ahead if i'm not noticed if people don't recognize me if i'm we we just don't know what this virtue looks like, sure. but empirically, empirically, humility in the business world, in the leadership world, in marriages, mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about the faith perspective. Yeah. Humility always is an indicator of success and usually high success, mm. but we have to get over the hump of, well, but is that going to get me stepped on or sure. looked over? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the fear. Sure. Absolutely. That That's a really interesting thing. And it's true. I have there are several business books out there now that do talk about that humble leader and how they're needed and all of that. So yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, and I wonder too, if you can share a little bit kind of specifically within the family, like why is humility really needed in the family in marriages, but also like as a parent, right. For your children and all of that. Yeah. Humility allows us to be vulnerable and vulnerability is a requirement in any relationship. So take for like as a dad, and I think I'll, I'll speak from a the dad male perspective, because that's all I know. I think that humility can be tough, especially with your kids mm. and uh, like apologizing. I've talked to like several dads about this thing. We're not perfect. No parent's perfect. And we're going to make mistakes where, um, you know, we do the wrong thing and we have to apologize. That's the reality of relationships. But with our kids, it's tough. Like it's tough to look at your five, six, seven-year-old 14 year old, 17 year old, and be like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I did the wrong thing without qualifying it, too. Because sometimes we'll do that in an apology, which is not necessarily the most humble thing to do. We'll just say, I'm sorry that this happened, but 
you know, I'm sorry that I missed your, your, your football game, but I had to stay late for work. Like, and then because I make money and, and, you know, like we try to kind of soften it. That's a hard thing to do, but it's an important thing to do because it makes us vulnerable in a relationship. Anytime we ask for forgiveness, um, there's vulnerability there because somebody could reject it and say, I don't forgive you. Um, but it teaches something to our kids about how we manage relationships in a healthy way. Um, Hey, as a, as your dad, I'm apologizing to you and I'm seeking your forgiveness. That's a humble thing to do. I think in parenting and in families, humility is key because we don't know everything. Mm -hmm. And so being able to ask for help and being able to teach that to our children, like it's okay to not know. I don't always know. Um, and again, I think there's a temptation as parents to want to answer every question and have it all together. Um, but that's not necessarily teaching good things to our kids um, about about being curious. And I think that's the thing that humility allows us to talk about being, you know, the, the, the dumbest person in the room. But that's that's not a question about intellect. It's a question about curiosity to say, I don't know it all. But how can I learn from the world around me? Like, that's a posture of humility. And cultivating that curiosity, I think, is a key part of raising you know, children who don't, who feel comfortable asking the questions and don't feel like they're stupid for asking the questions. Sure. I think that inadvertently, when we try to have it all together as, as parents, we teach that to our kids, like, oh, I've got to know everything. Mm. I think, too, humility in, in growing as a parent, and maybe people kind of differ with this, like, is wanting our kids to truly be uh, better than we are. I think every parent says that. I want my kids to be better than I was. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when they start to approach better, mm -hmm. it makes us really uncomfortable. Sure. Um, so like I, I worked in youth ministry for, for several years, uh, over 15 years. Mm -hmm. And you'd see this with parents as their kids became more spiritually adept. Yeah. And sometimes things available to them that mom and dad didn't have, right? And so you'd have kids coming back from, really powerful experiences, sharing deep things about prayer. And for mom and dad, it, it's cool because, wow, my kid is faithful and is trying to be holy. But it also can be unnerving because mom and dad might say, but I I don't feel like I am. I, I, don't, I don't know some of these things. People didn't teach me. And without realizing it, they can squash that out because it's like, well, I don't want you to be holier than I am or more spiritual. That makes me uncomfortable. It's the same thing that happens when kids, sometimes they're going to learn more. Our children are going to learn more than maybe we ever did. That can be uncomfortable. And it's recognized that at some point we want our kids to be, be better than we were. Right. But they're going to hit that point. And when they do, <laughs> are we humble enough to say, okay, like, I don't know, like, you know, you know, mm -hmm. and, and can you, can, can I sometimes take the role of, of students mm -hmm. and learn from you? Um, can you teach me? Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Um, and getting curious in that way sure. uh, and letting, letting our kids grow. And, and are we ready to actually let them be better than us when that moment happens? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I like, I like those various examples, like asking for forgiveness, but then also like letting our kids grow and us acknowledging at that point, like, okay, there's something here. Um, do you have other kind of examples or um, ways in which parents can kind of grow in humility? Yeah. I think when we think about, uh, think about humility. Part of it is like, yeah, it's so weird in, in a family mm -hmm. context, but think about how we give praise mm -hmm. um, and, and doling that out. I think that's one of the, 
a key humility practice is it, not just in the family, but anywhere, but giving praise and affirmation to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we want the affirmation ourselves. And I think this is, again, an area of humility. When I think about parenting, I also think about leadership. Like it's, it's, sure. it's very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids are not necessarily going to affirm us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not in the way we want them to. And honestly, it's not their job. Like that can be kind of unhealthy if it's like, well, I need my kids to affirm me. Yes. Like it's nice when my kids do, do and say things that are affirming, right? Like my kids once told me that they thought I could run faster than a car. And I, that was <laughs> wonderful to hear. They were young. They didn't understand. I'm like, yeah, maybe like a slow move. Maybe, is it, maybe it's idling and kind of like doing that thing where it moves forward. Um, but like, sometimes I think we want our kids to affirm us in and in that's kind of a toxic thing. It's the same thing. Like when I think about people in leadership positions, like your support, your, your team members, your, the people mm-hmm. who work for you, it's not their job to affirm you and tell you you're a great boss. It's not your kid's job to affirm you and tell you're a great parent. If that happens, that's great. Sure. But it is our job to affirm and to give praise. And I think sometimes we don't think about that. Um, especially depending on what our, our personality types are, maybe even our love languages, we don't think about, Hey, how can I be intentional about giving praise? Mm-hmm. That is um, intentional mm-hmm. uh, in that like it's, it's intentional and specific. I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to affirm a specific thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a humble practice because when you give praise to other people and you don't expect anything in return, mm-hmm. uh, you are putting yourself uh, beneath them. Mm-hmm. In a sense, um, because you're going out of your way to do it, and uh, and I think that's the key piece. And again, it teaches it's a good thing just to do in our family. So I think giving praise and being intentional about it mm-hmm. and not expecting anything in return is one one kind of humble piece. I think yeah. another piece is uh, just empowering. Mm-hmm. It's to do things and to give them maybe literally like the keys to the car, mm-hmm. um, and and letting them walk with it. And it goes along with that that piece where kids sometimes become like, hey, they're 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 surpassing us in some areas. But that like trust in and truly empowering our children uh, to do to do new things mm-hmm. and trusting them with it. Sure. I think that it requires humility because when we kind of uh, helicopter parent or lawnmower parent, which is like mm-hmm. mow down any adversity in front of them, mm-hmm. what we're saying is. I am the best and I am, I am, I know the most and I'm, I'm the strongest and I can protect you. And we think that by our own labors and our own efforts, we're going to, we're going to make the world perfect for our kids. And uh, what happens, and again, I see this in over, you know, a a decade and a half of youth ministry is we produce, and this is happening now, we're producing kids who lack resiliency Hmm. against the world and against real problems they're going to face and real challenges they're going to face. And this isn't, this isn't a good thing, but it comes from pride. It comes from like, I need my kid to be successful because I love them, but also, and again, this is where I think we got to be honest, but because it says something about me as a parent, if you're successful, that says something about me as a parent. And it goes back to like that affirmation piece of like, that is my affirmation, you know, but empowering our kids to do things on their own, I think is, and again, that's a key humility practice and like truly letting them go sure. to the point where they could fail. And then we can be there to catch them when they fail and say, let's process that. What, ha- what happened there? Um, but it requires humility because there's, there's letting go. Sure. So I think those are a couple pieces 
that we can think through as well. Like, how do we empower people? How do we give affirmation? How do we, we praise others without expecting it in return? And then forgiveness and allowing ourselves to be authentic and vulnerable in that. Yeah. Simple things we can do with our kids, you can do it with your spouse, sure. um, but they uh, they make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and my next question kind of delves or works really well with that one, but a little bit, how specifically do you help your kids learn how to be very humble? Like, yes, you're empowering them and you're letting them fail, but like, do you have other ideas for like, okay, especially when they're little, I think, um, where we're kind of teaching them humility, even from, from the early ages, the early stages of their lives. Yeah. I think that's a, I would, I think it starts with the foundation of knowing who they are, Mm. um, helping them understand what it means to be authentic. Authenticity is key to humility because that goes back to knowing who I am before God. Mm-hmm. And I think there are three elements to authenticity. And I think you can start teaching your kids this early on as mm-hmm. it's appropriate. Like to be authentic, you have to know who you are before God. Mm-hmm. You have to speak those same truths about yourself. Like, so there's, who does God say that I am? Sure. Who do I say that I am? Mm-hmm. And then what do I want others to see about me? Mm-hmm. And if those three things line up, we're authentic and we can only be humble if we're authentic. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, like if I don't know what God says about me, mm. I don't have any foundation for truth. So we've got to teach our kids, like, who does God say that you are? You are loved. You are a son. You are a daughter um, to, to teach those basics about the faith. That's the first part. But then to go like, what do we say about ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that's when you have to work as kids grow up in helping them foster an identity mm. and reminding them of, of like, you know, who they are. And, and that's where affirmation comes in. And I think this becomes especially key during um, teenage years because the, the developmental process of a teenager is identity formation. And in that, so for any parents of teenagers, you may find that they're doing role-playing, uh, role-playing a role, or role-modeling is a standard part of being a teenager. And it's the stuff that drives us crazy about our sons and daughters. Because it's like, one day you'll have this kid who's bright and and maybe they're so smart. And then over the weekend, they get busted because they're out at at a party. Like, you know, or they do something where you're just like, that's so out of character. Well, yeah. And and, and that's because that's what they do. They're uh, trying out different different masks in a sense of like, what's it like to be like this? And that's a normal part of developmental formation. And so as moms and dads, it's like talking like, well, how was that? Like, you know, tell me like, how did that feel to be in that situation? Or or like this weekend, you did something that wasn't good. Like, let's talk about that versus sometimes being like, how could you like, that's so crazy. Like, obviously there are consequences that, that come along with this and discipline, sure. but leaning into like, well, who are you, you know, and helping them figure out those important things. And then I think the last piece is, you know, what other people want to see about us. Um, and like, what do we show to others? And that's where in a world where social media allows us to be and kind of do whatever, um, like that's a key part too. Uh, if we, if those three things line up, we're authentic. I think we can model that as parents and we can teach that. That's sort of the, the foundation of humility. But I think the other pieces too, once you have that foundation are, you know, letting our kids fail and talking them through failures because that teaches humility. It teaches curiosity and letting, and helping them fail safe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's critical. I think putting kids in situations where they lose um, and they have to practice sportsmanship mm-hmm. is you know, um, in learning humility, I think putting kids in situations where they win and teaching them how to win well. So I think sports and competition are sure. good things mm-hmm. for, for kids and, 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 you know, 
every kid is different. Some kids don't necessarily enjoy that and that's fine. But I think trying them out in places where there are competitive spaces, uh, not overly competitive, but you know, uh, in my opinion, it's good to keep score. Um, Mm -hmm. and not to make the score, the end all be all, Mm -hmm. but like to say, you know, I think especially if you're raising like little boys, like they're always keeping score say, yeah, like, did we win or lose that game? Yeah, you lost. And that's okay. Like, let's talk about what went well and what, what could be better. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, just going back to like teaching people how to forgive mm-hmm. uh, is key. And so when your kids say, so again, along with that, don't force kids to say you're sorry. I think that's because it's like, it's, it's making that like a consequence rather than something I'm doing to be vulnerable and to be humble. Like, okay. so walking through again, as they get older, like when they're younger, you might say, okay, like when you did something wrong, so we apologize to do that. So let's go and work through an apology. But when they get older, even like six, seven mm-hmm. to say, how do you feel about what just happened? And and talking them through those emotions, being like, well, how do we repair this relationship? We go and we have to apologize. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's the steps we take, but making them take those steps. So it's not performative, but there's actual vulnerability involved of, oh, I'm learning that to ask forgiveness and to forgive others and to say those words, I'm sorry, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. That's something we work on you know, in our family is when something is wrong mm-hmm. and we apologize that the words I forgive you are what are a necessary step in moving this relationship forward. Mm-hmm. We can't just say it's okay because it's not okay. Because if it was okay, there wouldn't be a need for an apology and the relationship wouldn't be, wouldn't be broken here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's key too. But again, walking through it in the right way versus just saying, Hey, you need to say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, why do we say we're sorry? Why do we say I forgive you? How do we mend the relationship? Because relationship mending requires humility on both parts, on right. both parties, the one who seeks forgiveness and the one who forgives. Absolutely. I really like this idea of letting them fail and then kind of helping them walk through and like really process that so that they know what's happening. Because I think today, so many kids don't fail because they have that helicopter, that lawnmower parent, like you yeah. were saying, and they just... They don't know what to do then when, when eventually something happens that they do fail at. And then they're like, oh my gosh. So that's yeah. it's great. Home is the safest place for kids to fail. Like the first time that your kids fail shouldn't be when they're in college and they're mm-hmm. however many miles away from you in an right. environment with people who are supportive in varying degrees. It should be when they're like five and you can be like, why didn't this go right? You know, what, oh. what went wrong? And just to continue to work with them Mm-hmm. as they get older and, and to build resiliency. So they know, okay, when I fail, that's okay. And even to embrace like a mentality of, yeah, like try something new and fail at it and then yeah. learn what's wrong and, and get better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I wonder if you have any role models that you look to or people that really kind of encapsulate true humility in your perspective. That's such a good question. I th- honestly, I think my wife does. I think my okay. wife is a tremendously humble person. And I don't know if that's like a, a cheesy answer, but I really do admire and look up to my my wife. I think that she models humility in a lot of different ways. Again, in seeking, and a lot of the things I share are things that yeah. she does. How sure. you know we we model relationship building and forgiveness. I think too, and in, in just the way she approaches mm-hmm. our kids and and mm-hmm. talking with them and approaches like our marriage. I think she's a re- really humble person. Mm-hmm. Um, and even again, just in relationships or friendships. She thinks of, of things and in, in giving praise and affirmation that I, I win with mm-hmm. other people. So I'm sure. always like, Oh, you are such a good person. Uh, <laughs> I need to grow. 
in that. So I think that she, uh, I think she'd be a a significant one, you know, without a doubt. Great. Um, Do you have anything else you want to share with us? I'm out of questions for you, but if you have anything else that you, you know, want to make sure that we touch on today. Yeah. I think the last thing is just to remember that humility is a lifelong work Mm -hmm. um, and it's a worthy one, but that humility isn't again, self-deprecation. I think that's where a lot of people fear it. Um, But that it's an intentional push towards being authentically who I am and being able to rest comfortably in it. If I know who I am, I'm able to be confident. I'm able to ask questions. I'm able to live beyond my accomplishments Mm -hmm. um, and recognize that my worth is something much, much more deep. Um, But humility is the key to everything. Humility is the key to relationships, to success in, in, you know, our jobs and our careers uh, humility is the key to our spiritual life. Um, the catechism of the Catholic church says the humility is the foundation of prayer. So we can't even pray unless we are at first, uh, humble. And so to practice it is more than just, Hey, if you're talking about humility or you want to be more humble, you probably aren't, you know, very humble. Um, I think we do need to talk about humility. We do need to be intentional the same way we're intentional about anything we want to get good at. I think we want to get good at humility, which can sound like such uh, you know, like those two things, kind of, I'm so good at humility. Um, but we get to a point where it's, it's not about winning at it. It's mm-hmm. about having this disposition that makes me free. Absolutely. That's great. Um, so Joel, if people want to find your book, where can they do that? Yeah, you can find the book chasing humility at Avi Maria press, um, and get a copy, get a couple copies. It's great for study groups, uh, men's women's groups, and they'd be great for even, you know, a married couple to read together and nice. to discuss. There's questions at the end of every chapter that people can work through. And I think, again, if you want to build a solid family, having a foundation of humility is uh, a great place to start. Awesome. And we'll link to it in the show notes as well. So everybody can find it very easily. Um, so thank you, Joel, so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fair's Love Podcast. If you enjoyed it, there are a few quick things you can do to support us. Share this episode with a friend, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, or visit us at fairsloveshrine.org.